turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, beginning to read uh, verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teacheth, but teacheth which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, Yet he judges that yet he himself is judged of no man, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your great faithfulness, for your Son, the Lord Jesus, and for your Spirit within us. We pray now, Father, as your people gather together. Lord, we're here in one spirit and in unity that you would speak to every one of us, to all of our hearts and to all of our minds, that you would glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. We ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen. Verse 16 of our reading says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Take note of this. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have, he says, the mind of Christ. Notice, the mind of the Lord we have. The born-again, blood-washed believer, we have the mind of Christ. The mind of the Lord, the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is the mind of the Lord. The mind of Christ is the mind of of Almighty God. And so we have that mind when we are filled with His Spirit. God reveals things to us as in our reading. He reveals His own mind to us. God will reveal to you and to me at times what His will is, what His way is, His own thoughts, His own mind. Sometimes we don't get it right away, but we have the mind of Christ to walk like Christ, to act like Christ, Notice this. We all know what the mind is. And in the dictionary, the the mind is simply put like this. It is the faculty responsible for intellect, reason, thoughts, feelings, speech, and sanity. Okay? The mind is the faculty responsible for intellect, reason, thoughts, feelings, speech, and sanity. 
So we all know our own minds, as it were. Sometimes we don't know our own minds, but you know what I'm saying. We, we know what that means. But let me just break it down a little more for you. There's a fine line, they say, between genius and insanity. Between genius and insanity, there is a fine line. Many people who are, who are genius in their field have actually went over into the side of insanity. Yet in all of this, we find that with the, these genius who, who have invented things that the Lord has given them a great mind. For example, who would have thought 200 years ago, 150 years ago, that man would fly? Who would have thought that man would soar through the skies? Even greater, who would have thought that man would have went into the, the second heavens, which is outer space? The first heaven is where we flam the skies in outer space. And now they're looking at bringing uh, passenger uh, rockets up their airships to, to take people there as though they were going on an aeroplane. Who would have thought this? Only someone had a great mind and God had given them and their intellect. Who would have thought that you could take a human body part and place it into another human and that would keep that human living? We would have thought that would have been crazy. We would have thought that that, that would have been a way beyond comprehension and understanding just a hundred years, one hundred years or so ago. It just wouldn't have happened. It would be impossible. And many geniuses, many whom, who have had a great mind, many of them have been maligned. Uh, they have been shouted down. They have been laughed at and scorned because they had the faculty responsible for intellect. Now, all of us have intellect to some degree or another. But because they had a, 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 a faculty given to them of intelligence and intellect, they were able to, to do these things. And again, many of them were very eccentric. Many of them were very eccentric where they were actually bordering on insanity even in their, in their intelligence. So whenever we look at the mind, the mind is a powerful thing, yet it's a very weak thing. For example, there are those whose mind is weaker than those who have the greater intellect. Or there are those, for example, who are very simple in their ways. When I say simple, I'm not meaning that in a degrading sense, but they're just simple living, simple in their ways, or simpler than others. And we're all at different levels in that. But there, nevertheless, every mind is full of thoughts. Every one of us, every mind is full of thoughts. For example, there are some thoughts that are instrumental. There are thoughts that are instrumental of the mind. Notice the word at the end, mental, is to do with the mind. So instrumental, there are these inst- thoughts that are instrumental may become useful or helpful because they're instrumental in doing things. We all have that ability to some degree. Then there are some people's thoughts are detrimental. Notice the word mental, detrimental. The thinking, it's all to do with the thinking. And the words here for, the word detrimental would give the idea they have the ability to be harmful and hurtful. From the mind, it starts from the mind. Intellect. Reason, thoughts, feelings, speech, sanity. Instrumental, detrimental there are some which are all of us maybe at some point, I would say, are sentimental. Sentimental, for example, we, we all have the, the emotion and the feeling 
that's been placed within us to be sentimental about things. Some people are more sentimental than others, and some are sentimental about things that others wouldn't be sentimental about. But nevertheless, we have the ability of the mind to be sentimental, where we cast our mind back and we think about things. And how we ponder those things, where we rest our mind on in those things, is really going to determine where our life brings us into things. Now listen, I am not speaking about the power of a positive thinking or power of a positive attitude. No New Age stuff. That's not what I'm saying here. It is good to have positive thinking. And it is good to have a positive attitude. But I'm speaking, not speaking of a gospel, a false gospel of power of positive thinking. You know, we think and it happens. Notice this. It's to do with the Word of God. What the Word of God says in our life happens. That's different. Now, I notice this. So it can be sentimental. For example, nostalgia. You hear a record playing or music playing and it brings you back to some time it was good or bad in your life and that's, that nostalgia can be uh, it can bring a, a detrimental attitude to you it comes hurtful harmful or maybe instrumental where you can go out and do something with the good in other words we, we think back and we may get teary over it we may uh, go back to a time when it was hurtful or maybe even our, our hearts are melting or mournful or mournful. We all have that ability. See, it's in the mind. And there are also thoughts that are judgmental. Notice the word again, mental. Judgmental. And judgmental is that the mind which tends to make their own moral or personal judgment. Their own moral or personal judgment. Look, you may think someone's morals are lower than yours, and someone may think that your morals are lower than theirs. So where do we get our moral standard from but from the Word of God? What does the Word say? What has God told us? What is God showing us in this? So we can be judgmental. Uh, We can have our own moral or personal judgment on others or even on certain situations. The mind of the human. The mind of man and woman is the door to the heart. Your mind is the door to your heart. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord lighting up all the inward parts of the belly. But the mind of a man and the mind of a woman is the door to the heart of a man and the heart of a woman. And this is very important because when we come to the word repent, it's, a, it's like a bad word now. You hear repent and people shrill back and they, they want to run away or they want to attack you for it. Repent is a Bible word. Repent is a Bible word that you nor I nor anyone else can remove from Holy Writ. Repent is, 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 is a word that even is taken out of context in many times. Let me show you what I mean. Matthew 4 And verse 17, the Lord Jesus mentions the word repent. He says, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He comes to a people of a different mindset, a religious mindset, or an ungodly mindset. They don't know God. They don't know religion. They come, he comes to a people who are of a different mindset, but not, not a Christ mindset. 
not the mind of the Lord. Yet they say they know the, the scriptures, which were again the Old Testament. They're not that because they have made it to suit themselves and they have put their own, uh, their own laws and their own commandments and their own traditions onto it. So Jesus comes and he says, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the word repent is the word metanoio. And it's made up of two words. The first word meta or meta, M-E-T-A for the English spelling. It means after. After. And it also gives the idea implying change. It means after and it implies change. That's the first part of metanoio, the word meta or meta. And noio at the end of it means to perceive. To perceive. Okay, And what the Lord Jesus is saying, what John the Baptist said, what Peter said, repent ye and believe the gospel and so on, what they're saying is, they're saying, when you hear the word of God, when you perceive the word of God, then after your hearing comes change. After your hearing, your perceiving, comes change. Okay, so that's what he's saying. In other words, when I'm preaching to you, Jesus said, and you hear my word, then comes change when you receive it. And brothers and sisters, in, uh, in Christ, being a Christian, being born again of the Spirit, people don't like to think that nowadays we need to repent. Brothers and sisters, Christians may not even be able to repent of all the sin that they commit that they don't even realize. Nevertheless, that which is in our mind and that which is in our heart and that which we have done or wherever we have been, and maybe it hasn't even been that bad, we need to bring it to God and keep short accounts with him. But also, whenever we're in a place, in a mental state, where our door to our heart, our mind, the place of all the intellect and reason and feeling, when that is being overwhelmed, when that is being attacked, when that is being torn down, we must come to the Word of God, for there we have the mind of God to the mind of man. The Bible you hold in your hand is the mind of God to the mind of man. And so when the Lord tells you an encouraging scripture when we read in prayer, it's God's mind to your mind. It's God's mind to the door of your heart. It's God's mind speaking to your mind. When the Lord says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love and you're feeling unloved, God's mind is speaking to your mind. It's his word. How do we know our minds? How do we know the mind of a man and a woman? How do you know your own mind. And how can I know what you're thinking unless you speak it and tell me? So the same way, how do we know the mind of God? We can never reach it, never guess it, never attain it unless God speaks and tells us. And God has spoken in the Bible, his word. That's why we read it. And because the mind of God became the word of God spoken forth, became manifest in flesh and died for us, we see the fullness of God's mind in Christ. That's why he's called the Word of God. 
the word that was with God and the word that is God. His eternality as God. And so what I say to you, if I were to stand here and say, call someone all the rotten names under the sun, and you say to me, you know what, you said this and you said that and that wasn't right, I could say to you, I never said it. Could I say it was my word? Said it, I didn't say it. No, because my word is me. My word is me. My word is my thoughts. My word is my heart. My word is that which is in me, coming out of me. Christ is in the bosom of the Father, the word of God, and comes forth from the Father. And so he displays the Father. That's why he could say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now notice this. When he says repent ye, it means after you hear, or when you hear, and perceive. It goes into your mind, it'll drop into your heart. The door of the mind, the door of the heart is the mind, remember? It drops into your heart. When you get it from your thinking into your believing in the heart, when it drops down that 18 inches or whatever it may be, as it were, uh, when you get it down deep into your heart, that changes afterwards. It changes your thinking. It helps how you live. It changes you when you're in a place of struggle. It changes your thinking because you're now you're resting on the Word. The Word is in your heart. The Word is moving in you. The Word is building your faith. It's lifting you up. You're trusting in the Word of God. And so you start to rise in your mind. And it helps the mind that is in a state of depression, a state of fear, a state of worry, a state of weakness. It lifts you out. The word of God. That's why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world. Listen, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. So every day, believer, every day, we need to renew our minds to the word of God. When doubt comes, renew your mind in the word of God. When temptation comes, renew your mind in the Word of God. When trial comes, renew your mind by the Word of God. And when you perceive it, afterward, that is when you perceive it, it gets into your heart, you change. It changes you. It strengthens you. It helps you. It lifts you. And this Word here is that which fashions us, molds us, makes us into the image of Christ for the kingdom of God. God is working all the time in you. So you must renew your mind. The door of your heart is your mind. So you must have a change of mind as a change of heart. That's the word repent. Here's two points if you're taking notes to write down. First of all, the mind of a man and a woman is the battlefield of spiritual warfare. The mind of a man and the mind of a woman is the battlefield of spiritual warfare. The first thing that the serpent does when he comes to Eve, he says, did God say? Did God say? Spiritual warfare, starting to put doubt on the word, the mind of God to your mind. And what he wants to do is put doubt on the word of God that's in you, put doubt on the word of God in your mind that you will then doubt the mind of God. That you'll doubt God's mind for you. 
So first of all, the mind is the battlefield of spiritual warfare. And it's here, brothers and sisters, it's here that battles are fought and won. Or battles are fought and lost. It's in the mind where battles are fought and won. Or battles are fought and lost. That battle could be a small battle in the sense that it's a skirmish. Will I, won't I? Should I, shouldn't I? But that skirmish become a great battle if you don't get the victory now. Temptation can be a battle. Trials and how you handle it, according to the word, is a battle. Whether you get out of bed in the morning in spite of how you're feeling or not, is a battle. Trusting God that he's going to bring you through and then the old tempter comes and he says to you, did God say there's a battle goes on in your mind? Maybe you're not going to heal me. Maybe you're not going to save my loved ones. Maybe you can't do this for me. Maybe you won't do that for me. And the battle is being lost once that happens. Renew your mind. Transforming your mind to the word of God. What does the word say? What does God say? And what's God saying to you now? About when he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I can know, but the battle is lost. The battle is lost. But when he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, and you say, Lord, I trust you, and I'm going on in you because of it, the battle is won. Now listen, the battle's won. The war isn't over. The war isn't over. For many battles may make up a war. But know this, you're on the winning team. You're on the victory side. Read the back of this book. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. I should say Jesus has already won. He just comes to claim his praise. So, secondly, secondly, the mind, the word mind is the word nous. If you want to write this N-O-U-S in English spelling, nous. And it simply means the seat of moral reflection. The seat of moral reflection. When we muse, when we ponder, when we meditate, Upon certain things, we open that door either for the Lord to fill us or the devil to kill us. Let me say it again. When we muse and ponder and meditate on certain things, we open the door for the Lord to fill us or for the devil to kill us. Don't let the devil kill your mind because he's a liar. He's the father of it. But rather let the Lord fill you with his word, with his promises. 
So the seat of moral reflection is your mind. For example, listen, Matthew 12 and verse 24. Matthew 12 and verse 34, brother. Matthew 12, verse 34. The Lord Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart. See, whatever your heart is full of, see, whatever your heart is full of, is what will eventually overflow through your mouth. Do you know that I can tell a person by speaking to them whether they go into the place of prayer or not? I can tell a person by speaking to them after a while that whether they go to the place of reading the scriptures or not. Fellowshipping with the Lord or not. Do you know how? Because those who do can't help themselves at some point but speak about him. Simple as that. You can't help yourself but speak of Christ. The mind, the door that is open for the heart to receive the floodgate of heaven will find itself overflowing. Overflowing. And they will speak out the overflow pipe as it were. They will speak about Christ and his word and glory. So if you want to know someone who loves the Lord Jesus, and you want to know someone who has a walk with Christ, spend 10 minutes in their presence and see if they glorify him. If they don't, give them 15. (laughs) If you turn the conversation around, they'll want to speak about him. You know why? Because they're acquainted with him. They have spent time with him. They've got to know him. And all they can do is love him. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you know that there are people who will sit and be able to watch their programs on TV for hours and hours and hours, or lift the local uh, newspapers, or the, old, the mag rags and all those sort of stuff, and they'll read them for hours, but lift the Bible and they'll hardly read a verse. What is it with that? You know what you're doing? You're opening the door of your heart for the devil to kill you. That's what you're doing. You're opening the door of the heart of the devil to kill you. Look, I'm not saying you're wrong to buy a newspaper. I don't buy them at all anyhow. But I'm not saying you're wrong to buy a newspaper. Don't get me wrong. But there are people who will spend hours upon hours and hours upon hours, half a night, as it were, on a day. Dave, what are you doing to that child? You nipping that wee baby? Bless her. I oh, she's just all right. She's okay, Victoria. Hours upon hours, reading newspapers, reading magazines. They'll look at everything else but the Word of God. filling their hearts, filling their minds. You know what you're doing? You're putting landmines on the battlefield for yourself to step in. The word of God in the heart and the mind will cause a man and a woman to repent. 
For once they perceive his word, they change. Even if it's, I haven't, I've come out this morning, I haven't even worshipped you. Then the words to you this morning is, the Lord says, now you've heard this, renew your mind and change. Start to worship. Start to change. For example, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 20, listen to what the, the disciples said when they were arrested. It says, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. The seat of our affections, our mind, the seat of our affections is filled with Christ. Couldn't help themselves. And when the temptation comes for addiction, when the temptation comes for uh, something that is, I want to be careful with my words. When the temptation comes for something that will draw you away, when the temptation comes for something to take you away from the place of reading and prayer and worship, to take you away from fellowship, when the temptation comes, there's a battle in the mind. It's the battlefield. When the temptation comes and you, you're feeling yourself weak, then you must dig deep and get up and go. Because once you get up and go, you'll realize that when you're in that place, you've gotten a victory already. You've already gotten a victory, even though you maybe not feel it or think it. You've already gotten the victory. These men said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard because their minds were filled with Christ. So how should our minds be filled? Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, please. Verse 7, Paul says, the peace and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How does he keep your heart and your mind through Christ? How will you have greater peace through Christ? Fill your mind with Christ. Fill your heart with Christ. Fill it with the word of God. The mind of God to the mind of man. Paul, again, did he not say in our reading, who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. The mind of the Lord is the mind of Christ. So the mind of the Lord comes to Christ. The mind of the Lord is the word of the Lord come to you. For I don't know your mind, you don't know mine, but God knows our hearts and minds. But we need to know his. Look, the, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, people talk about peace all the way. I'm in this time and I'm troubled and I wish I had peace. Brothers and sisters, see for the godly. Do you see for the saints of God? Do you know what peace really is? Do you even know what we're asking for when we ask for peace? I'm in a storm and I need peace. Do you know what we're saying? We are thinking we're saying take the storm away, which God may well do. That's not what it means. Do you know what peace really is? The peace of God is not the absence of the storm, but the peace of God is the presence of Christ in the storm. That's peace. It's not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Christ in your trouble. 
And if there was no storm, sure you wouldn't realize. No one would understand nor see the grace of God that's on you. Paul says, I th- a-, a messenger of Satan was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffer me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And I sought the Lord thrice, he said over it. Three times the Apostle Paul is going before God in, in worship and weeping and supplication, saying, take this away from me. And the Lord says what? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will most rather gladly glory in mine infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul said, look, in all of this, with this thorn in my flesh, he says, with this attacking all the time, and God hasn't lifted it from me yet, and I don't know why, he says, then I will glory for in it, Lord, you are still with me. You're upon me, and your glory will be made known in it. So peace of God is not the absence of a storm, but the presence of Christ in it. I have to close. I have to close here. Philippians 4, 7 and 8 says, verse 8, Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Notice, whatsoever things are true. Brothers and sisters, don't listen to a load of old gossip. If you let your mind be like the dustbin, you're going to get your head full of rubbish. If you let your mind be a dustbin, you're going to get your head full of rubbish. Listen, whatsoever things are true, and if you don't know it's true, don't listen to it and don't repeat it. Simple as that. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, no filthy talk. No filthy jokes. Even if you're in work and the workmates come off with it, walk away from them. Let them keep their filth. Christ says that when he returns, he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and so on. Whatsoever things are lovely, think nice thoughts. Think about your salvation. Think about Christ. Think about what you're hearing this morning. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Do you know the, the news, if you tell them of, 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 a, of good news, they probably won't show it on, on their news bulletins or TV. They won't tell it on the radio. Do you know whenever we had the, the big tent event in 2012 and the thousands that came through the doors in those days, those three days, the Friday night, the Saturday and the Sunday, do you know all of those, all those things and all those things that were happening and a wee church was putting this on and everything was free of charge for community and all the people that came to it in the big tent that was going all day Saturday and things were given out for free and, uh, and it was such a blessed day. Do you know I was on my radio stations and one of them said that to me? It's not bad news, we can't, show it. We can't put it on. One of the major radio stations. 
It's not bad enough. Something took its place. There was a, a, a reporter who was on the phone with me every day for a week. And he was going to come down and he was even going to help us and he was going to compare it. And then bad news came and he says, sorry, this is what goes better. And he didn't come the last minute. Sorry, you got me to compare it. I done it. But that's what happened. This Christian man, it's not his fault. He had to do his job. You see, we, you and I can, can, can look at the bad report and, and we glorify bad report and the door of our heart is open wide for bad report. The door of our heart is open wide for negative thinking. The door of our heart is open wide for the devil to kill us rather than the door of our heart being our mind, being open to fill our hearts, the seat of our reflection and always where our hearts are. And when we think about it, we muse on it or we think about it and we go over it like chewing the cud. Think of the word. Your word says this, Lord. That's an amazing word. That's a fantastic word. That's a, fanta- that's a brilliant word. I was with someone yesterday, and they says to me, you said something on Tuesday night, the Bible study. It was only one word, I think. And why? How did that whole Bible study only gets one word? But you know what? The one word excited him to praises. One wee line. One line excited him to praises. We think about it and we muse on it. We turn it over, chew it over. We think of the report that God gives us. Whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Finish with this. Time is flowing. I have a lot more. I don't know where I'll do an morning or not. I'll see how I get on. Finish with saying this. Psychologists, And psychotherapists try to decipher and plumb the depths of man's mind. And although the mind can be great, it can be fickle. Though it can be deep, it can be shallow. And though it can be infinite, they still cannot understand it fully. What man knoweth the thoughts of man, save the spirit of man that is in him, Paul said in our reading. In other words, Man can know nor cannot know nor even figure out another man's thoughts. Yet the Lord says to you this morning, don't worry. I know every word in your mouth before you speak it. I know every word in your mouth before you speak it. Brothers and sisters, I have so much more there. I maybe do another one I don't know. See how I feel led. But the mind of God to the mind of man is for you this morning and for me. The mind of God is in this book. The mind of God is in this book. And it's the mind of God for you. Read it. Read it. God bless you all this morning.